time to listen to Anchored on the Rock, a podcast for edification and blessing of our lives. Produced with love directly from Temple Rock of My Salvation, located at 860 Broadway in Newark, New Jersey, 07104. And now, let's open our hearts to receive the Word of God in the voice of Senior Pastor Carmelo Roman. God is good. Would you open your Bibles as we turn to, to God's Word this morning in the book of beginnings, Genesis, and the 45th chapter. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Chapter 45, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I'm going to pick up the story here. It's the story of Joseph. It's such a well-known story, uh, uh, Joseph. And we're going to pick up on verse 4 of chapter 45. Then we're going to jump over to uh, chapter 50 for a couple of verses there. And the word of God reads, please come closer, he said to them. And so they came closer. And he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. So you don't know why you've been suffering so much. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years. And there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive. And to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. Look at your neighbor and say, stop blaming people for stuff. And he is the one who made me an advisor to the Pharaoh, and the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all Egypt. Turn with me, if you would, to chapter 50 and verse 18. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. See, now the dad had died. Jacob is out of the picture. Did you know that we kids behave good when the parents are around? When the parents ain't around, we don't behave so good. And so now he says, I know your favor was upon us, but Papa's gone now. And so they come to him and they threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me. But God intended it all for good. Come on, somebody say amen. Come on, somebody say amen. Hallelujah. And he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. And so he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Lord, As we stand before your presence, we are mindful that if you speak into our hearts today, we will leave this house renewed by your powerful and almighty word. We will leave filled in our hearts with joy and strength for the joy of the Lord is our strength. So use thine servant, Lord, and make thine word feed the multitudes for the glory of your own name. It is you that have brought me here, 
that I might speak your word into the hearts of thine people and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Give somebody a high five before you sit down. Thank you, Jesus. Give somebody a high five. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Have you ever been someplace that all of a sudden God speaks to you and you'll be like, God, I'm on vacation. Everybody knows at church I'm on vacation except you. One time I was reading through the book of Action, the Acts of the Apostles. And I call it Action because we're still doing. The church is still moving. Miracles are still happening. And when I got to the story there of Paul and the shipwreck and all that happened in Malta and the biting of the scorpion, of the, I said, whoa. And the Holy Spirit quickly spoke to me and he put this message in my heart. It's not the bite that kills, it's the poison. When I read the story of Lazarus one time, it says, so Jesus had compassion over them and he was moved. The Holy Spirit again spoke to me. And he said, many things are going to touch you. And you will be affected by many, but don't become infected. And so I preached the message, affected, but not infected. I give you what I get. I can't make this stuff up. I'm not that good, folks. I'm your average Puerto Rican that grew up in Newark. And if I speak, I speak by the word of God. So let me bring you here real quick. So we're in California five years ago on a family vacation. And one morning we, we get up and we're making our way through Hollywood Boulevard. And there at a distance as we were walking stood a man yelling. And he was yelling these words. Everybody has got a story. What is yours? <laughs> I said, what? I said, I'm on vacation, Lord. And I said, let me get closer. Lord, your neighbor say, get closer. Yeah. See, the sparks fly from the altar. And so I got closer. And he said, everybody has got a story. What is yours? And the Holy Spirit quickly spoke to me again. And he said these words. If you only knew the things that I've been through. And he brought me to the story of Joseph. For our God is a relational God. He knows exactly where you are today. He knows exactly what you were through last night, last yesterday, during the day. He knows what your thoughts are even this morning. He brings me here to the story of Joseph. And if you get an opportunity to read through this story, it is among so many amazing truths of the Holy Scriptures. And he gives me this theme, if you only knew the things I have been through. When you think about the phrase, if you only knew, as we dwell on the power of these words, you come to the conclusion that it's letting somebody else know that if they could understand things like you understand them, if you could only experience that thing that I experienced like I did, then maybe you could appreciate it like I do. If you only knew, look at your neighbor, tell him if you only knew. If you only knew like I know, then maybe you could comprehend what I am saying today. Maybe then, hallelujah, you would understand why I act the way I act and why I talk the way I talk and why I walk the way I walk and why I act and do things the way I do them. Hallelujah. I'm an inner city boy. That's what I am. And I've been through a lot of junk. Somebody say junk. Cuanto adoran al Señor. 
You would understand some things in my life. A person that has not had abundance of food in their house, they really appreciate food. You can put up there uh, three pieces of bacon, they think it's a steak sandwich. And in the same way, somebody that does not have much financially, you say, here's a new pair of socks. They'll be like, oh, glory to God. I got new socks. Glory to God. This is a good day. You'll be like, here, take them. I got them extra. I'm just saying. I know not here, but no. I'm just kidding. And so I believe that the greatest challenge to the comfort of our suffering is the not knowing. The not knowing. If I knew something, I would, it would soften the blow in my heart. If I knew something, it would soften the pain and the tragedy in my heart. But if I am left to my own devices of the mind, then my mind can take me anywhere it wants to. Then my mind can run with me. Hallelujah. But if I am left to the devices of my mind, I can self-destruct as a human being. Hallelujah. When I don't know something, I don't know about you, but I get stressed out. Anybody else? Yeah, if I don't know something, I'm stressed out because I don't know if this that is happening to me is my fault or did someone else bring this upon me? If you only knew, is this a fault of somebody else and I conclude this, then I would look at it perspectively. But if this is something that I did, then I must suffer the sting of the consequences of my action. If you only knew the things that I have been through, in my life, when I know why something is happening to me, then I can address it. I can take care of it. But when I don't, who do we blame first? Who do we blame first? Many times, unfortunately, we blame the Lord in our minds. Hallelujah. We blame the Lord Jesus. One of the greatest challenges to the mind of traditional thinkers is the idea of innocent people suffering. It challenges our heart, meaning that you are suffering unjustly. And because you are suffering unjustly, we think about someone suffering unjustly. We think in our mind immediately there's something morally shocking about this whole situation. To suffer unjustly allows the enemy to come in and allows the enemy to point his finger at God. Hallelujah. Look at the God that you serve. Why didn't he help you out in this situation? God could certainly have stopped this, couldn't he? Have you been there? Anybody been there? Anybody? This is a morning of confession. Come on. Have you been there? But I am glad that I've discovered in my life that even when I face these circumstances and I thought that God had not put his hand over my life and God didn't prevent them, God intervened anyway for the steps of a just one ordered of the Lord. And sometimes, some way, some of us are going to suffer for the glory of God and for the betterment of many people, except you don't know it now. Sometimes I felt as though the good people suffer. And that some people that are ungodly are rewarded. Have you been there? How do you justify? Hallelujah. What you're going through when the devil is picking at your ear. I thought about the movie, The Passion of the Christ or The Young Messiah. You saw the guy in the black suit there like, The Young Messiah. Anybody saw the movie? Young Messiah? 
And he talked to the little young Messiah. And in the garden there in that scenery, he, he speaks words that are negative. And the enemy wants to get your ear. Hallelujah. So that you would doubt the goodness of God over your life. The enemy wants to speak into your ear. Hallelujah. And tell you that situation that you're going through is ungodly. God allowed this to happen to you. He doesn't love you. Hallelujah. When you look over your shoulder many times and you consider the people around you that are doing some really bad things, some really diabolical things, some really ungodly things. On the surface, they appeared to be blessed. And you'd be like, what's up, God? How do we justify the fact that for all the good things you've been doing in the ministry and you've been working hard in the ministry, you might not be able to get ahead. You're still struggling. Somebody say struggle. Instead, every time you look around, you find trouble and you find difficulty. Hallelujah. Even though you're living a righteous life and even though you're doing things for the kingdom of God, what kind of advice can you give somebody like that? What kind of counsel can you speak into somebody like that? I'll tell you from the pages of God's word this morning, the Bible tells us you got to keep a good attitude. You got to keep a right attitude. Attitude matters. You got to keep an excellent spirit in all things. I will praise the Lord. You don't want to have to go back and apologize after all the things you said and mishandled that situation because you were frustrated and couldn't understand it. You treated somebody ungodly. You treated them like less than they ought to be treated because you were frustrated. Then all of a sudden you finally figure it out. Oh, wait a second. God's in this mess. And you got to go back. And, I didn't know that God was in <laughs> God, yeah, God, I, I didn't know God, God I'm sorry. <laughs> and so we must learn that in every situation, listen, church, you are a child of God. In every situation, no matter what it looks like on the surface, hallelujah, as a child of God, you got to be cautious and make sure that God gets the glory even out of your stressed out faith. Sometimes you feel like, I'm not going to make it, but God is saying, just keep pushing. Hallelujah. Sometimes you feel like, I don't have the strength, but God says, move. Hallelujah. And by the power of God, you move. Look at your neighbor say, if you only knew what I've been through. Every one of you got a story. You all dressed up. Look at you. Yeah, look at you folks up there. You're looking all spiffy and all shiny. But behind that smile and behind that clothes and behind the claps, there is something deep down on the inside that you've been dealing with. There's been some mess that you've been working through and you couldn't understand it. And God is telling you today, if you only knew the things I've been through through the lips of Joseph, some things are going to happen in your life. Hallelujah. So that God's name would be exalted. And there's got to be a few of us willing to suffer so that the good of many would know the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say Glory! glory! Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say glory. glory! Hallelujah. Joseph made sure that no matter what situation happened in his life, whether it was Potiphar's tiptoeing through the tulip, shaking her bun's wife, they wanted to tempt him, or no matter was it people criticizing him in the jail, or his brothers that hated him and were jealous because Joseph was a dreamer. He was positioned by God to make a difference in the life of many people. Somebody shout amen. 
He made sure he guarded his attitude. Guard your attitude. You need to guard your attitude. He rose up to the top. And man, he was in some low, low places. They threw him in a cistern, threw him in a well. They sold him to slave. They disowned me. He could have turned around and said, God, why are you doing that? You hate me. Have you been there? Hello? Have you been there? Yeah. And so he had an excellent attitude. He was very cautious. If you got the right attitude, we need to have the right attitude. Hallelujah. Even if you are not where you believe you ought to be right now. Hallelujah. You will find yourself in time in the name of Jesus at the top where God has got you. But he's telling you today, you got to shake it off. Stop being so sensitive. Things are going to happen along the way. We understand that in the world we will have affliction. With your neighbor say, shake it off. Tell a story. Old farmer had an old horse. His horse ain't no good no more. He don't serve its purpose because horses were designed by God to pull, not, not push. They pull. He said, let's take this horse and put it out of his misery. He called the guy with the tractor. He said, dig a big hole in here. They took the horse. They put the horse inside the big hole. The horse looking up, they looking down. He looking up, they looking down. Says something's not right here. The horse was trying to figure this out. Then he says to his uh, workers, start throwing the dirt. When they threw the first plow of dirt over the horse, the horse shook off. The dirt fell on the ground. He stepped on it. Put some more dirt. And so they, they wouldn't stop trying to kill it, and it wouldn't, stop trying to, it wouldn't stop trying to live. And let me tell you, the devil's trying to kill a lot of you so that you shut up and you don't speak the word of life. And he is pouring dirt over you. And let me tell you what happened. The horse kept shaking it off. And he discovered that as he shake and stumbled, all of a sudden he was high enough and close enough that he leaped out of that, that ditch. And let me tell you, can nobody curse you in the name of Jesus? Hallelujah. No matter who been putting dirt on you, you've got to shake it off. Come on, shout glory! You got to shake it off! Don't let the devil bury you! God is not done with you yet! Shake it off! Yeah, other people look at you and say, oh, God, done! Oh, they ain't no good. You should have said, oh, years ago, we used to pull and pull. Now we get tired. Well, let me tell you, it don't matter what people say about you. You need to praise God when haters start loving you. You need to praise God, and you need to praise God when lovers start hating you. You need to praise God when somebody says God is done because you got the word of God. He is not done, and you need to shake it off. You are listening to Anchored on the Rock. Get to know us. For more information about Temple Rock of My Salvation, click on our website, templerock.org.
here's what you can't do. Don't be a complainer. And I know we grow through that situation. I know. I've been there. Been a long time and a long journey in my life. I've been there. But we grow through those times. And we don't react as we get older in ways we used to act like when we were younger. We've learned some things. Paul says, I've learned to be content in all things. And he tells us some things. And so we grow and we thank God for his goodness. Don't be a complainer, hallelujah. Because unless you know God's plan, you might mess up your witness. You might mess up that opportunity that God is going to grant you. Unless you know God's plan. The people that you're complaining to, they might be in worse shape than you. They'll be like, uh-huh, you done? Yeah, let's go to diner. They ain't going to help you. Be careful. Shake it off in the name of Jesus. Trust God. Trust God. And testify the goodness of God. So Joseph sought the Lord in all things. Man, he had it rough. Despised and hated by his brothers. Sold to some folks that were going to be merchants out there in Egypt. Facing fears, second to the youngest. He thought everything would be cool. My older brothers had got my back. You ever think somebody got your back and then when you look, ain't nobody there? Yeah, see, that's why you can't trust people. You got to trust God. Trust your leadership. You got to trust your leadership. They're God's voice to you. But be careful because not everybody is worthy of your thoughts. David said in Psalm 34, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard my cry. And what did he do when he heard his cry? He said, and he saved me from all my troubles. So we Christians got a lot of trouble in our lives. Uh-huh. We got a lot of stuff happening in our life. Here's the lesson. is those times God uses of affliction and unknown trouble in your life that are going to catapult you into the next level of ministry in your life, the next chapter in your life. Listen, from one level of glory, we always talk about God taking us from glory to glory. Oh, he's moving me. Did you know that there's no empty bridges in God? When God's going to take you from one level to the next level, you got to be found faithful serving in the level you were in. Hallelujah. And the only way he gets you out is by catapulting you. You might be thinking, what does that mean, Pastor? He'll bring some stuff in your life. He'll bring some situations in the life of your family. And you're saying, I don't understand this, God, but he's bringing you to new heights. And he does it through a bridge called affliction. Affliction. It was good for you to afflict me. I know the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, if you only knew my story. If you only knew what I've been through. You would understand why I talk the way I talk. Why I act the way I act. See, when I'm in North, I'm here in Wayne, New Jersey. I lived in Pompton Plains for a long time. I was very courteous. How you doing etiquette? Like, yeah. In North, I'd be like, yeah, what's up, bro? Yeah, what's up? Yeah, they call me the cool pastor. Yeah, I walk around like, hey, what's up, bro? Yeah, what's up? Hey, give me five. Yeah, what's up? See, because if I'm going to reach them, I got to do something a little bit different. I can't dress up. I got to dress down my body, but dress up my spirit and understand that God is going to give me a strategy to reach those folks. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And so 
Y'all need to stop jumping up. Y'all get me crazy here. And so, tell somebody if you only knew my mess. Yeah. It is because of that mess that you're going to have a message. And it's because of that trouble. Hallelujah. And that test in your life that you're going to have a testimony. But we've not understood what the scriptures have been teaching us. Hallelujah. If you only knew in my own life, there was a moment in my life where I thought I was going crazy. You might be saying to yourself today, I don't understand all this happening in my life. I don't understand, Lord, what you're doing. I can't see it. I'm moving. And God is going to say, listen, even though you might feel in the body that you are going crazy, God's going to keep you in perfect peace. Hallelujah. If you only knew what I've been through, let me tell you, when the doctor calls and says, hey, listen, I need to talk to you. You know they don't give no bad news on the phone. And you're making your way down to that doctor's office. You ain't singing how great thou art. You're thinking, I need a Xanax. I need a Xanax. I need something to calm me down. I'll give God praise tomorrow. Come on, somebody say amen. Come on, somebody say, talk to me, pastor. Yeah. That's the reality. Yeah, see, we can act real good and real spiritual around each other. But then we go home and we discouraged. Y'all need to stop making sounds. Because I get, I get all wound up. My wife said, you go crazy. Now, y'all can make all the sounds y'all want. I'm going to preach right here. If you only knew the hell I've been in. If you only knew the dungeon that I've been in. And when I was in there, God reached down to me. And God lifted me up from the miry clay. Therefore, you, I, and just like Joseph and just like David in Psalm 34. And even Paul, a man of God. He was in God's purpose. Beaten five times. Whipped 39 times. They beat him with rocks. And they stoned him and threw him in prisons. And, and they throw him and put him in shipwrecks. And he'd been in all kinds. You'd be thinking, like, God called me. I'm going to be this great preacher. I know God going to open doors for me. I know God. Here I come. I'm the last one. When I preach, everybody going to fall down. When I lay hands, people going to fall. God is not interested in making you big. God is not interested in rising you up. He said, if I were lifted up, I will draw men to myself. Come on, somebody shout glory. Hallelujah. Paul, chosen of God. He writes throughout that New Testament. This is a clear picture of our destiny. That is your destiny. That is my destiny. We have a life filled with trouble. Mess. Well, I'm going to get saved because I ain't going to have no trouble. What? loco? ¿A ti qué te pasa? You nuts? Yeah, well, I might as well give God my life. Yeah, you better tie a knot, baby, and hold on, because God's going to drag you down and make a mess of things in your life. Yeah. Hallelujah. If you only knew the things that I've been through, and I've decided to bless the Lord at all times, and at all times I will praise his holy name. And I will lift my hands on high and my mouth will sing praises unto him. It's because of him that I stand before you today. And I say, if you only knew, like I know, the things that the Lord has done in my life, then you would understand me in a better way. If you only knew. Many times what we don't realize in our lives is that what you are going through, what God has allowed you to go through, are the very things that are going to bless somebody else. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 4, 
He said, so the trouble that you're going through and the comfort that you have received is so that you might comfort somebody else. Verse 6 says, so salvation will come through you, through others, because of your affliction. And there's got to be some of us. I believe, I know this church is full of them, people that are willing to stand in the gap. People that are willing to believe God and step out of your comfort zone. For God is not so interested in your comfort as he is your character. And God will allow things to come to you to refine your character and make us more Christ-like. We pray that, don't we? Lord, make me more Christ-like. Oh, if you only knew what you were asking for, baby. Hallelujah. And so he puts the chisel to you and you're saying, oh, you're going to kill me. And so he squeezes you and you're going, not so hard. I'm not a tangerine. And God said, I know what I'm doing, baby, because when I get done with you, you will be a masterpiece. And people will be talking about you and they'll be saying I knew you when and you're going to say if you only knew what God put me through the man that stands before you today is renewed by the power of God and by the workings of God to be God's mouthpiece to the world come on somebody ought to praise him so what you've been through is to bless somebody else you've been through a lot haven't you haven't you yeah, some of you guys have been through a lot, through a mess. And people didn't understand you. They didn't know what to make of you. Because you praise God in church and you curse them outside the church. And they didn't realize it's a process of growing in Christ. And that lady at the church, she's a smoker, unbelievable smoker. Got saved. About two months later, I had one of the men come past. I got to talk to you. This is real serious. I go, oh, okay, what happened? Oh, I saw somebody smoking. You come to this church. Oh, she was smoking. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, was she taking a deep puff or a shallow puff? I'm just saying. I, I, I'm just saying. I, I'm, he said, what do, you, what do you mean? I said, did she look like she was enjoying it? He said, well, I, I didn't look that close. I said, but you brought me the tail. I said, let me tell you something about that lady. That lady used to smoke four packs a day. And she came in here to tell me about her mess. And I said, believe God that he's going to start to wean you away. And I'll tell you, now she's smoking uh, three, three, uh, uh, three, three dozen, 36 cigarettes a day. Because she's accountable to me. I said, give her time. She's going to grow out of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Today, she's no longer a smoker. She's a praising, worshiping person. But she's been through a mess in her life. And people that go through a mess, they look for all kinds of things to cope with that mess until you reach them because God brought you through. I said God brought you through. And he brought you through for a purpose. And what God is saying to you and I today is that whatever you've been through, he wants you to use it for the glory of his name because you made it through. If like Joseph, you've ever felt in prison, put in prison, have suffered the consequence of an incarceration, why don't you flip it on the devil today and start having a different attitude? And when you see a young man standing on a street corner, you might tell him, listen, you're going down the wrong road, buddy. I was you just some years ago and it didn't work for me. Let me tell you about God. Let me tell you of where I've been through. Let me tell you the mess I've been through. Tell him exactly what you've been to. Tell him it didn't work for me and it's not going to work for you. Help to keep that young man from ruining his life, incarcerated or, or even dead. Help him do that rather than hiding your past. Amen. It suit look good, don't it? 
Don't it? I told my wife this morning, I said, babe, did I lose weight? She said, turn around twice. When I turned around the second time, she was gone. You know what that means? That's, y'all need to stop. Y'all having too much. That's just, that's just the opposite. We go to a wedding stuff. My wife put on these beautiful things. She said, babe, do I look kind of chubby or fat in this thing? I'd be like, uh, I got to walk the dog, girl. God says, use where you've been through to bless somebody. Use that mess. If you were ever incarcerated, talk to somebody. Sadly, if some of you here this morning have been abused. Oh boy, so many stories. Maybe you were molested or raped. The Lord is saying, I see your pain, but you need to use it. Don't sit down feeling bad for yourself. It's not your fault. It is not your fault. Too many people need to hear your experience. Hallelujah. You know now what to look for. You've come to a different place in your life in Christ. You can point one out at a distance. You've been through some stuff in your life. And in the name of Jesus, the son of the living God, he's saying, use it. You don't need to feel dirty. You don't need to feel worthless. Hallelujah. You, you don't need to feel like you had anything to do with what happened to you for that person touching you inappropriately and taking advantage of you and taking away your innocence and putting you into a turmoil in your mind. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to know that God can take away the pain. <laughs> Somebody needs to know and hear your story that God helped you through that time as well. Hallelujah. So don't hide it. Use it. Use it. They need to hear your story. If you only knew what I've been through. If you were an alcoholic or a drug addict. When we first got out there to Temple Rock, I prayed one day, I said, Lord, I need more leaders. Send me some leaders. And I love people that come to the church. I don't ever ask people too many questions. I figure if they, if they like the church enough, they'll find out, they'll call it. But, but here's what I, I, I heard from God. I said, God, what are you gonna do? He said, I'm gonna tell you what you're gonna do. Get out the church. I walked out the church. Yeah, look down the street. See that bridge over there? Go preach to them prostitutes that are hiding under that bridge. He said, your leaders are coming out of that corner bar. They're pastor kids that nobody have been able to reach and nobody have been able to talk to. They've been marginalized. They've been talked down to. They've been saying, you a Christian, you ain't supposed to be doing that. They're trying to do and get these people to do in the flesh what only the spirit can do. He said, that's where your leaders are going to come from. And let me tell you, God is faithful. God is faithful. If you only know the things that I've been through in my life. Don't let what you've been through make you ashamed and keep you from talking. Somebody has got to hear your story. There is a young woman standing on the corner that wants to know, do I have to die in this circumstance? Am I going to die under this bridge? You know, where do we go under those bridges and we give coats and we make sure we open our annex building on the other side and we leave it open so the people who come in there, them girls can wash up and go to the bathroom and have clean water. And I know it's a mess and it dirties the bathrooms and God knows what happens inside of there. But that is my call. My call is to reach these folks in Newark. Hallelujah. Some girls under them bridges. Somebody's daughter is under that bridge. Somebody's sister is under that bridge. 
Let me tell you, some of the best preachers in my church were old drug pushers. What's up, guys? What's up over here? Everybody all right? How about this side? You guys want to? What's up? Yeah. You know what the Lord said to me? He said, these guys in these corners are the best salesmen you will have. They'll make you buy baby powder and think it's cocaine. You'll be like, I ain't getting no high. You got something? They'll be like, no, I ain't got nothing. He said, there's some good stuff. Get their pasta. This is good stuff, bro. They'll be like, okay, yeah, I'm high. It's baby powder. But these guys are good. And these guys, hallelujah, when the Lord turns their mourning into laughter. And when the Lord puts a message in their mouths, these are the ones, hallelujah, that will speak the word of God with conviction. That's what we do because it's Newark. Somebody shout Newark. Hallelujah. They want to know, has anybody made it off the streets? If you only knew the things that I've been through, then you would know why I speak the way I speak and why I act the way I act. I, too, am a welfare baby. My dad walked out on us when I was nine years old, filled with negative talk, filled with dreams of nothing that would be fulfilled, empty from the daddy roll in the house. We walked in 1897 McCarter Highway, Grafton Avenue, Newark, New Jersey. One of the things I learned early on was to put my game face on, because you guys know I'm only 4'11". I one time, I had somebody say to me one time, I was preaching on television. When they saw me in person, they said, oh, I thought you were a lot bigger. Thanks. <laughs> so one of the things I learned quick, I was in Barringer High School. Anybody know where Barringer High School is in Newark? Yeah, I learned to put my game face on. I'll be like, do I look mean? I know it don't look mean because I'm too kind. My wife says, you're too kind. But I, I had this game face on. And, and we were welfare kids. My dad left us. We have nothing else to do, seven of us. And the enemy speak negative words into your heart. And I'm here to tell you, in the name of Jesus, there's single mothers out there that are struggling. There are single moms that are out there trying to make ends meet. God knows exactly where you are. He knows everything that you're going through. Some are questioning, is there anything worth living for? Hallelujah. Many times... We became bound by the financial handouts with little hope, but God came through for us. Look at us today. We moved away from the system. No dad role in the house, but by the grace of God, we had a praying mama. And let me tell you, all your single mamas here in this place, let me see your hands. All the single mamas, I bless you in the name of Jesus. I pray all the resources of heaven upon you. I pray the grace of God upon your life. And I had a single mama. Hallelujah. She was stubborn in her faith. And she said, today we're going para la iglesia. We're going to church today. And when she would see any of the five boys acting funny, that woman was anointed with a broomstick. She said, where you want to go? Yeah, you better get in that church, man. Yeah. Come on, somebody say amen. Look at your name and tell them if you only knew the mess I've been through in my life. We grew out of it, and thank God, by the grace of God, we're doing well as a family, and we've moved along in our family. We gained some things. We don't depend on other people, and I don't say that to minimize. I don't say that to talk down. I've been there. I've been there. God will help you through that situation. So what is Joseph saying to us? He's saying, hang on. What is this story? I couldn't possibly unfold this exegetically in the time that we have or hermeneutically. I'm simply bringing you, this is Nork style. This is ghetto style. 
What is he saying? He's saying, hold on. Because if you knew where I've been and God brought me out, he's going to bring you out as well. That's the message today. That is the message today. Let me tell you about this Bible. In 1975, June of 1975, I was riding home from my job. I had a little part-time job in North Arlington, New Jersey. And uh, I was speaking with my wife's brother-in-law, who was sitting next to me in the driver's seat. I was driving. It was a 69 Plymouth satellite. Anybody remember what that looked like? Looked like a little old roadrunner. Anybody remember? Yeah, except that was a cheap version. They had no stripes. They had no double mufflers or none of that. Was it? So, so I had that, that car. And, and so we were riding home from work. It was a little drizzle on the road. I had just gotten onto Route 21 in Newark. And I'm riding down the highway. And I find myself feeling these two hands like picking me up from the back seat. And from the front seat, they put me in the back seat where the feet would go. And then when I open my eyes, the next thing I know is I'm involved in the most horrific accident, vehicular accident I could ever imagine. My brother-in-law who was with me was about 40 feet away and he was bleeding through all his orifices in the face, his nose, his ears, his mouth, his eyes. And I ran over there and I grabbed him and I said, Lord, please don't take him. If you're going to take him, kill me. I have no one. Give him his life. He has two children. Mind you, I had preached a youth rally just a couple of days before. I've been preaching since early on. The Lord called me at the age of 11 into the ministry. Could you imagine that, 11 years old? He says, you're going to be a, a pastor. You're going to speak my word. Amen. I wanted to be an electrician. And so I sought my career. I went to the University of Oklahoma to get a power distribution degree. I'm a licensed electrician in the state of New Jersey. I'm a licensed construction official. I am a licensed electrical subcode official. I am a licensed high hazard structures electrical inspector. I am a inspector of industrial and commercial structures in the state of New Jersey. They will inspect marinas and buildings that are tall. Why am I telling you this? For no reason. <laughs> here's, here's the point. Man makes plans. Man makes plans but the Lord unfolds his purpose I didn't understand God if many of us in this room were sincere this morning God has taken you down a journey that you'd be like God I don't know what you're doing I'm just so mad and you'd be here like how great and then you leave here and you'd be like I don't like what you're doing God Tell me something. We talked about this in the introduction, the not knowing. I've been preaching. I've been doing many other things. The Lord allowed me to get these situations in my life. But there was always that call. I preach that message. I find myself in this accident. I know that sometimes we compare all that we do. We think like this is not fair. God, you're not fair. And guess what? You're right. God is not fair. I'm here to tell you that God 
is never fair because every single one of us deserves to go straight to hell. And he said, no, 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 you're going to heaven. If we wanted God to be fair, if we wanted God to be fair and treat us, treat us just like you do everybody else, guess where we're going? Because even our good works, our great works fall short in the presence of the Lord. My whole life has been a mess. Nothing that I planned ever came out the way I planned. My wife and I are going into our 41st wedding anniversary. We planned on four kids. She has five sisters and two brothers. I have five brothers and two sisters. 14, let's have four. Great. Guess how many we had? Zero. And for 20 years, I was mad at God, preaching, teaching, and leading. You're not fair. You know my desire. You know what I came to realize later was that God's plan was always best. This man that you're looking at is a broken man, a fractured man, a flunky. By the grace of God, doing the things that I can do. God did give me children, but not my way. After 20 years, the Lord gave me my first child through adoption. My little German, Heather. Heather Grace Roman, who is 21 years old today. And a few years later, he gave me my little Mexican. I call them salt and pepper. God's got a sense of humor, doesn't he? Doesn't he? And if you saw those two kids today, but here's the point. God didn't give it to me the way I wanted. He gave it to me the way he wanted. And here's what he told me after. He said, I did it. He said, you would learn to love people and be useful to me in the ministry because you're too hard-headed. You're too thick. You're pig-headed. I need to break you. Oh, I'm not going to destroy you because a destroyed soul is not good for the kingdom. But I'm going to do it my way. You want to meet my two kids? No, you don't want to meet them. Let me move on with this story. They told me, they sent me a text because I haven't seen them all day today. Don't you dare make a stand. So I'm going to ask them to stand and turn around so I don't have to see. I'm going to ask Timmy and Heather, would you stand? Where are you? I don't even know where you are. Where are they? Right there. There they go, guys. There's my two little guys. There they go. Yeah, baby. Come on. They're passionate for Jesus. They love the Lord. You can sit down, baby. They love the Lord Jesus, but guess what? It's not my way or the highway. This ain't a Burger King, baby. This is not a Burger King. Look what I've done. And you're going to negotiate. You will always be on the short end of the stick. After all, you said, I will do your will. I will surrender. And you didn't understand God. He's saying, Joseph, what a dreamer. What a man of vision, interpreting dreams. He's saying, if you only knew. He's preaching to you today. If you only knew about my journey. Because sometimes we get misguided and we think I'm the only one. And God is saying, no, you're not. I perfect my word and my purpose in you through affliction. So the accident happens. My brother-in-law dies. I come to the other two guys that hit then my car hit because the left tire flew off my car, so I went in that direction. And this is before they had those cement dividers that they have today everywhere. 
You know, they have the cement dividers on the highways. And so my car goes on the opposite. We have a head-on collision. I go over to the fellas in that little Vega and the guy at the steering wheel, and I try to pull him out, but the steering wheel was stuck so deep. I couldn't move him. Their car was catching fire in the hood area. And so I run around the other side. Now more people were coming, and I grabbed the other fella. And I pulled him. Another fella took his feet, and we dragged him because the car was burning. And when I looked at him, his nose was pushed into his skull because the Chevy Vega was a steel dashboard. I don't know if you guys remember that. It was tough. All the while, I was chosen of the Lord. God had spoken a word. I'm fatherless. I don't have a figure to push me along the way. Nobody say, you can do this, baby. You can do this. And let me tell you, when God has a purpose, if you stand and wait upon the Lord, surely he will renew your strength. Don't make God a liar. Please don't do that. It was a price and a penalty that is so heavy. And we are the light and the salt of the world. The world needs to hear you in your affliction. You know what I call that? Stressed out faith. But you don't understand what I'm going through. You're stressed out, preach. And so I was accused of vehicular homicide. Could you believe that? June 14th was the accident, 1975. The reason I married that young lady so young was because her sister's husband is one of the fellows that passed away. She had two kids. She said, I'm moving away from the state. I got to get out from this area. And I spoke to my mother-in-law, and she said, well, you guys are just out of high school. He said, the only thing I can do is if you marry Virginia. And then I went back to my mom, and I said, Mom, I'm so in love with Virginia. And she said, are you nuts? You're only 18. You're going into NJIT. I was supposed to be going into NJIT back then. But then I, I, I became like the woman, the persistent woman at the table. I just kept going back. I drilled her. You know what I discovered? The squeaky wheel always gets the oil. <laughs> and that's the message that the Lord gave me in a supermarket. I'm not even going to go there one day. Shopping with my wife. I grabbed this car, shopping cart. It was like, quick, 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 quick. Everybody looking at me. I'm like, what? And the guy came running from the back. like. Psh, psh, psh. The Lord spoke to me. The squeaky wheel gets the oil. Don't give up. Anyway, let me move on. But, but here's the point. We married in November. We ma- I graduated high school uh, in June 1975. We married November 1st, 1975. We struggled. It was tough. Wasn't equipped, wasn't prepared, facing three counts of homicide, vehicular homicide. Think about a young man who barely knows life. I'm still trying to figure out basic algebra. And if I buy something for 50 cents and I give him a dollar, how much change I'm getting back? You know, this was tough. And so I said, to, I said to my mom, I said, I want to go see the car. And so we went to the police department and said, you know, we'd like to see the car. The only reason I wanted to see the car was to see what I had left on the chair of that car. And they gave a permission slip, and we went with a detective to the junkyard where the car was at. It was completely engulfed in flames. Now it was rusted. It was a few weeks, maybe a month and a half since the accident, rain had fallen. Uh, so you would know what that's like. A car oxidizes, become rusty. And as I walked toward the car, I managed to look into the car. It was nothing but springs. Everything was burnt. But there on the floor of that vehicle, I found my Bible.
Folks, I want you to know that this is only the third time I bring this Bible out of my house. The third time. Only because the Lord said to me two nights ago as I struggled with what I was going to share, he said, bring the Bible with you and encourage my people. I picked the Bible up, and it was still soaked in water, but not one word in this Bible is burnt. Not one word. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do with this thing? He said, put it away, for the time will come. It's only the third time I bring this out the house. The third time. Many of the pastors here didn't know it. Many of my friends don't know it. Because I don't take this lightly. I don't want ever anyone to think, oh, look at him. Oh, God. No, no. I'm afflicted with heart disease, too. And if this didn't kill me, you're thinking, oh, the heart disease is going to kill me. Guess what's going to kill me? Nothing. I'm going to leave when God wants me to go. And I'm ready to go anytime he calls me home. I ain't worrying about it. I had quadruple bypass in January the 30th of 2007. I've been struggling a little bit in the last couple of weeks, and I'm going in for a catheterization this coming Friday. But I said to the Lord, I said, you brought me through once, and if the Lord brought you to it, he will bring you through it. And if he, if he in his will, determines that I'm going home, I'm out of here by the goodness and the grace of God. Here, here's my final thought. As you bow your head real, real, real graciously, if you can, if you'd like to. And that is that I want you to know that it is your responsibility to survive this journey. Don't quit. It is your duty. Yes. Somebody is looking at you. Yes. Somebody is counting on you to make it through. Yes. They want to hear that you made it. They want to know. They need to get through too. Yes. And so they're saying, I'm watching. Yes. And if God has brought you through, he will bring me through too. Because our God is a loving God. Come on. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Somebody is dependent on hearing your words. Hallelujah. Because when you made it out, it gave them renewed hope that God is going to do it with them as well. Don't quit on you. Yes, we all have a story to tell. Yes, we've all been through some things. But God is saying this morning through his servant, Joseph, if you only knew the things I've been through, then you would know why I praise and get my groove on the way I do. I make sure when I stand before the pulpit, I praise, and I'm emotional. I had a doctor say, Mr. Roman, you got to be less stressful. You got too much stress in your life. I said, I refuse to change the way I preach because God called me emotionally to be a preacher. And I'm kind of crazy, and sometimes I run, sometimes I jump, sometimes I throw myself, but that's who I am, and I can only be the best me that I can be. I can't be you. And if I got to do it like you do it, I'll never get the job done. And if I got to use what you have, it ain't going to work. But if you let me be me, and if God uses me for the glory of his name exactly the way I am, he will use you exactly the way you are as well. Stand to your feet. I'm done. I'm done.
If you only knew the things that I've been through, you would say, no way. But God says, yes way. We don't serve him because of what he could do. We serve him because of what he's done. Amen. I know there's some people here this morning, you need to get it right with God. You've been angry at the wrong person. God is saying, I, I brought you through that journey so that you would remember me. Just as you said, Moses, when you're full and your belly is full, don't forget the God that brought you out. So he allowed affliction to bring you back to the cross. If you only knew. Let me tell you, God is not done with you. God is not done with you. God's word has spoken to you. I'd love you to come out here and renew a covenant with the Lord. Over and over, we find in the Bible, and we're called into repentance. I often say the pulpit is a leader's best friend. You don't want to be far from the leader. After all, the angel came and took the lit charcoal from the pulpit, from the altar, and he cleansed Isaiah with it. We want to stay close to the fire. We want to stay close to the anointing. God spoke to you this morning, and you'd like to be prayed for or with. I'm going to step down off of this platform as the worship team worships. to know that this word from God came to your heart. Come visit us at Temple Rock of My Salvation, located at 860 Broadway in Newark, New Jersey, 07104. If you need prayer, give us a call at 973-484-5840. Stay connected. Visit our social media platforms like Facebook at Temple Rock, Instagram at Temple Rock Official, Twitter at Temple Rock AG, or click on our website, templerock.org 